That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. We've had a busy few days of Premier League midweek fixtures as Chelsea suffered their second loss of the season away at Wolves and Man United and Arsenal played to a hectic 2-2 draw at Old Trafford. We'll also be looking ahead to this weekend's continued excellent set of fixtures in the Premier League. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Andrew's out tonight. We'll probably hear from him back again next week uh, on the Recap Pod. Javier, how you doing, man? Doing all right. You're always just all right when I ask you. You're never, you're never, you're never great. You're never ecstatic. Or m- maybe if we go back and we we track your responses, maybe they uh, correspond directly to Arsenal's results. So if it's like yeah, a draw, yeah, you're no, all last right. Last week I was definitely last weekend I was fantastic. Right. Or, you know, last pod I was great, but this pod, you know, I'm all right. I'm all right. That that draw has me slightly salty, slightly relieved as well. But you know, it's neither here nor there. I'm I'm. This was like a difficult run of fixtures, so I'm happy we got through it without losing. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine how apprehensive. I am coming into this podcast with uh, Chelsea losing today and uh, facing the prospects. City looming on the weekend. Yeah. City on the so. weekend. So, uh, but you might have your first back-to-back losses this th- year. The show must go on. Let's run su- through some recaps real quick. Obviously, we all have lives and jobs, so uh, we can't really pay attention to too many of the uh, ten Premier League games that took place over Tuesday and Wednesday this week. But real quick, Bournemouth started uh, on Tuesday with a 2-1 win against Huddersfield. Javier, you got the score right on that one. Brighton beat- Yeah, that was, uh, that was, a, that was a, another good performance from Bournemouth at home. They started off super strong, kind of blew Huddersfield away, and then Huddersfield fought back in this game. And it was kind of impressive that they were able to keep it 2-1 and that like they they you know were able to not get concede any more goals. So... I think hope for Huddersfield that they're not going down. There's some fight in the old dog yet. Yeah, there's still fight in there. Uh, Brighton got a 3-1 win at home against Crystal Palace behind uh, goals from Glenn Murray, Leon Balogun, Florin Andone, and uh, a Milivojevic penalty for Palace later on. Uh, Shane Duffy also saw a red card in the 28th minute of that one. Uh, West Ham won 3-1 at home against Cardiff City. Uh, I got the result right on this one. Uh, Lucas Perez made a surprise return to the score sheet after his uh, move from Arsenal during the summer. He hasn't gotten many chances, but he scored in the 49th and 54th minute before Mikel Antonio put the game to bed in the 61st with West Ham's uh, third goal. And uh, I I resealed the prediction with a Josh Murphy 95th minute goal, consolation goal, I'll take it. your prediction correct. I'll I'll take it. Uh, Manchester City went to Vicarage Road and beat Watford 2-1. Goals from uh, Leroy Sané and Riyad Mahrez uh, before a Decore goal in the 85th minute to make it a last uh, nervy couple of minutes uh, down near London. Then today, Burnley went ahead in the middle of the game behind a Jack Cork set-piece goal before Liverpool were able to come back and win 3-1 at Turf Moor. Uh, James Milner in the 62nd minute, Roberto Firmino in the 69th minute, giggity, and Jordan Shakiri in the 91st minute to make it look a more convincing win for Liverpool. 
This game was going on during the Chelsea Wolves game and the United Arsenal game, so we're not going to disillusion you with any ideas that uh, we were able to watch this one. But you know, that's a that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a good performance from uh, from afar for Liverpool to see them go down one nil and everyone kind of. Uh, perk their ears up a little bit and think, oh, is our Liverpool in trouble here? Uh, are, they, they, they started a front three of Daniel Sturridge, Divock Origi from the weekend, and Jordan Shakiri, which made you think maybe there's a bit of trouble coming. Uh, but they eventually brought on the likes of Salah and Firmino and Trent Alexander-Arnold that were able to help them wrap that game up a little bit later on. But three points nonetheless. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, I I only saw the goals. I, I yeah, like you said, I was watching the Arsenal game. I mean, just that you know, this game was interesting in that you know Burnley were able to keep it a clean sheet in the first half, go ahead. But like you said, this is a very weakened Liverpool side, and I'm sure they'll be very happy to uh, get back to full strength on the weekend and uh, and just you know be happy to get out of Turf Moor, which has traditionally been a hard place for them to get three points. So. Yeah, there was more rotation at the back with Joel Matip and Alberto Moreno stepping into the back line. Yeah, it was a very weak inside. So for them to get three one victory, I mean, that's that's really bad for Burnley. Burnley are they're in big trouble. Not going to disagree with you there. My opinion of Burnley is uh, slowly shifting from they'll be okay to is this a real <laughs> is this a real problem that we're facing here? Uh, so. We'll, uh, we'll hear about them a bit more in the previews. Uh, Everton got a 1-1 draw with Newcastle after going behind to a Solomon Rondon, Rondon goal in the 19th minute, and uh, Richarlison equalized in the 38th minute off a set piece. Uh, I got the prediction right on that one. Uh, another one I got the prediction right on was Fulham-Leicester. They drew 1-1. Alexander Wall here. Yeah, this... I really could have used these results a little bit more spread out. I got four right picks this week, <laughs> right. and there's been a whole bunch of weeks where I've gotten zero right. <laughs> so, but whatever, uh, it, it's encouraging at least. Uh, yeah, Fulham tied Leicester one-one. They went ahead in the 42nd minute behind a Abubakar Kamara goal uh, before James Madison scored for the second game week in a row in the 74th minute. Let's head up to Molyneux to talk about the shock result of the match week. Wolves came from behind to beat Chelsea two-one. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek opened the scoring for Chelsea in the 18th minute uh, before two quick goals from Raul Jimenez and Diego Jota in the 59th and 63rd minute, respectively, settled the game for Wolves, who were on a terrible run of results going into this game. They had gotten a draw against Arsenal a few weeks back, but other than that, it had been all losses to teams. Hey, remember we did say that they played to the level of their opponents. And- <clears throat> Yeah, you you could been, say that. I've been saying that for a few weeks, and it kind of it kind of does ring true. It seems like if they're playing against a good team, they uh, they seem to it brings out the best of some of these players. I mean, if, if you if you think about it, some of these players. Before you, you know, go further, before you go further, they didn't play well. <laughs> like Chelsea, I mean, but like Chelsea's choked. goal was extremely lucky. Chelsea did a choke job and a half. We should have been up three 0 going into halftime. They should have been down to ten men from a foul in the box that kept Morata from scoring, though he probably would have missed it anyway, knowing Alvaro Morata. It was uh, all Chelsea for the first 50 minutes. And then as Chelsea have done time and time again this season and haven't been made to pay for it, they fell asleep for a 10 to 15 minute period that uh, in the first five minutes of that period, they gave away two quick goals from very lackadaisical defending, not playing to the whistle. There were four or five terrible performances all over the field. The ones that come to mind are uh, Fabregas, who was filling in for Jorginho. Uh, Marcus Alonso at left back looked, 
he's looked bad for a couple of games now. So uh, that, that's, that, that trend seems to have continued. Morata, you won't be surprised to hear, did not look good. Willian threw away two different chances that he probably should have scored on, and he's probably one of the main culprits behind Chelsea not putting that game to bed earlier. And frankly, the rest of the team seemed a little bit too reliant on Eden Hazard. There were Once we went down 2-1 in that final, there was plenty of time left once we went down 2-1. It was 25 minutes or something. That final 25 minutes, it, it became the Eden Hazard show in that it was the game plan just seemed to get the ball to Eden and uh, watch him work his magic. Which, if you have a player like Eden Hazard, like, I, okay, don't take this too seriously, right? Uh, don't, don't like get angry at me for saying this. Eden Hazard is a very good passer of the ball. He thrives in pass and move situations. And I'll just say, similarly to Lionel Messi, you could not expect Lionel Messi to take a team and just dribble the entire team every single or the dribble against, against the opponents every single time beat five players and score. That's not how it works. You need to have other players around him passing and moving for him. It's a team game. Hazard is, excels when he's playing in a, in a great team that all has players passing and moving around him. It was completely immobile for large stretches of the game after the 50th minute when I said we uh, started to go to sleep. And it just wasn't good enough. I, I just what, about, what about changes? I mean, he he brought on Pedro. He brought on well. Let's well, well, uh, in terms of changes. Let's talk about the uh, rotations he made to start the game. The most shocking one to me was Cesc Fabregas filling in for Jorginho. Now I'm sure that the thought process is that they need. Sorry, once Jorginho rested for the game against Manchester City on the weekend, but I, I hope he's learned the lesson here that you you just can't play Cesc Fabregas in a Premier League game anymore. He doesn't have the legs for it. It's no coincidence that in the 59th minute, Jimenez got Wolves' first goal. Fabregas's legs and our midfield solidity and uh, and tempo with the ball started to go around early in the first half. And we just didn't have the players in, in midfield to really get back into it. Fabregas is the main culprit. He only belongs in League Cup games, Europa League games, and some FA Cup games. It's Maybe bring him on for the last 20 minutes in some games. If you see Jorginho's uh, injured or has a yellow card or something like that, he, he's no longer a viable option uh, for a full 90 minutes like he was played tonight. And the other rotation, the big rotation, was uh, Andreas Christensen for David Luiz. And like Christensen was okay, kind of at fault for one of the goals or partially at fault for one of the goals. But just like David Luiz, he has a good amount of mistakes in him. And uh, he, he keeps bitching about not getting enough playing time. But when he is given given playing time, he's he's not been up to snuff uh, in this Chelsea lineup. But like you said, with the rota- with the uh, substitutes, we brought on Pedro, brought on Giroud, uh, I think brought on Kovacic for N'Golo Kante in the last couple of minutes. Those changes didn't really matter because the game seemed to have already gone. You know, the rest of the team was kind of focused, like I, like I said earlier, getting the ball to Eden Hazard and trying to hope that he like created some magic. Those three players didn't really have much of an influence on the game. So it's, It makes me feel good that we got a draw and you guys lost. So That was at home. It's, that was at home, though, and we were, we were away. This game enough. just seemed fair like enough. We, we have a reputation for helping sh- like teams having a bad run of uh, fixtures or a bad run of form get out of that bad form. Remember Crystal Palace last year when they had lost their first six games in a row and all of a sudden Chelsea come to town and they win 2-1? Remember West Ham last year when David Moyes got a 1-0 win uh, with Arnautovic in like one of his first early games? I wouldn't say Wolves play up to their opponents. I would say we have a pretty bad habit at this point of playing down to some of our opponents. So whatever. Uh, I, I'm hoping 
we can get over it pretty quickly and somehow salvage a draw against City this weekend, but it doesn't look likely. The uh, the title talk is finally over, lads. Oh, the title talk's over. Uh, to me, the title talk was never serious. I was always I would always just frame it as you can't rule us out because the majority of our squad have done it before. And that was the only real reason I would say well, it's... I was always completely. ruling you out. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the main fixture of this midweek round of games. Manchester United hosted Arsenal at Old Trafford and got a 2-2 draw. I got that result uh, That result prediction correct. Uh, goals from Shkordan Mustafi in the 26th minute before Anthony Martial equalized in the 30th. I mean, you, you predict Arsenal draw every week, so I mean, you can get it right every once in a while. <laughs> Uh, Marcus Rojo scored a own goal in the 68th minute uh, before uh, 30 seconds later, Jesse Lingard equalized in the 69th minute. Giggity. <laughs> I would ask you what your thoughts are, but I'm guessing they're just going to be disgusting. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, this game was a trap for us because people were saying going into it that Arsenal were the favorites. Who was but saying how that? How can, the, I mean, just pundits on, on form, form? Sure. Um, you know, what, you, guys what, never what, you know, that, that whole, like, you know, Mourinho, uh, you know, called Pogba a virus in front of the team or whatever. And, and he left him on the bench till the 80th minute. So, I mean, there's definitely something going on there, right? Newsflash, there has tell, been for a while. <laughs> yeah, you could tell from the body language that something's going to have to change. Something's going to have to give soon. But I thought that on the balance of play, I mean, a draw was probably the right result. Both teams were you know, not playing well defensively, just absolute shit and gave up terrible goals to each other. And they're all pretty sloppy. Arsenal created a lot more chances than United, but I mean, our finishing was dreadful and it's been, there's, there's been a lot of that in, in some of these big games this season where we've missed, we've missed a lot of big chances. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, unhappy with it within a way draw at Old Trafford, but you know, I definitely get the feeling that if, you know, we miss out on top four by, you know, one or two points, this might have been a game where this we should have picked up all three points. You know, it was they were there for the taking. And this Manchester United team, they're not going to be this bad all year. You know, they're near rock bottom. Right. So they've got a they're going to have to improve either by, you know, getting rid of Mourinho, buying some players in January, doing something different. But I think for Arsenal, you know, 20 unbeaten, 15 wins, five draws. I think this just continues our momentum. A win would have been a lot more momentum, but now we have a pretty decent run of fixtures these next three or four games. So I think we're going to pick up some more wins and, yeah, just continue the run. Keep 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 going. How did the Guendouzi, Torreira, Ramsey midfield look? Was Ramsey played more as like a part of well, that no, front Ramsey three? Ramsey came off in the uh, 20th minute injured. Oh, really? So okay. that was kind of a big blow. Um, but Torreira bossed the midfield, but that's kind of, I mean, from okay, for a kid that came from League Two to come play in the Premier League, you know, that's, I think it's Torreira, impressive to Guendouzi? go. Guendouzi? Guendouzi, yeah, to go, that's it's pretty impressive to, you know, boss the midfield at Old Trafford, but he was up against, you know, Herrera, Matic, Matic and Lingard. And Lingard, yeah. Just not not a great midfield. So, but you know he did super well. There were, he got fouled like a, about a dozen times. He's really really good at getting like like getting his first touch to take him away from the from the player pressuring him, and then like moving the ball up the field maybe five yards and then putting up putting a pass. He's very very decisive too. Decision making is really good for like a nineteen year old. And everyone's 
saying that this kid's going to be amazing. And, and, you know, when Paul Pogba came on the pitch, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, guendouzi has been bossing the midfield for 80 minutes. And, you know, Paul Pogba was supposed to be the star for midfielder for France. But, you know, the, the way the way things are going right now, you know, in a couple of years, Gwendouzi might be might be the starter in that midfield. And. Paul might not be so. He's got a lot of competition. I'll say that much. Yeah, we definitely. Could, we could probably do a definitely. whole pod naming very good defensive slash box to box midfielders for the French for national France, team. Yeah, I thought uh, the first half in this game we actually played pretty well again for a first half, but it, you know we were able to take the lead twice, and both times we gave up the lead, which is still very worrying. It's really worrying that like we can't immediately gave up the lead immediately, right? And it, and it, we haven't had. Uh, that big collapses, mental collapses this season yet. This is the biggest I've seen there. Maybe it was because we're at Old Trafford and a lot of these players, I mean, it's still a lot of the same players that, you know, been thrashed several times at Old Trafford. So I don't know. It, it's it's a mixed bag, this result. And I'm, I'm glad that we didn't lose because if we had lost, you know, that could have been a big momentum swing for United and, you know, devastating for us. I would so. have been very angry at you if you guys had lost to uh, Man United. This, this, and this, this would have been it. the type of game, though, that in years past we would have lost, right? You would have lost like from one or two crappy goals like you already conceded. And exactly. Probably, but we probably would have been like 2-1 two two United or something. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm glad that we, you know, that didn't baby happen. Baby steps. We'll ta- take some baby steps. Baby steps, yeah. On, on the other hand, like Arsenal, were there was, there was a few times that we were – we had good passes, but United defended pretty well. I mean, the they actually the goals they conceded usually was from a mistake that they made, like in possession. From a we set pressured piece them off the and ball, then a, and then a uh, and then a mistake, a mistake yeah. off possession. Which, by the way, Marcus Rojo, I can't remember the last time Marcus Rojo played. Oh, I hate that guy. And he just came in and just gifted you guys a goal, <laughs> gave the ball away, yeah. and then in attempting to make the tackle on Lacazette, puts it in his own net. Not great for Rojo, but as we said on the weekend, United seem to be a bit uh, thin at center back at the minute, so they'll probably have to make do. The last game of the midweek fixtures was Tottenham beating Southampton 3-1 at home. Harry Kane opened the scoring in the ninth minute before Lucas Moura and Hanming Sun scored in the 51st and 55th minute, respectively, to put the game to bed. And Charlie Austin scored off a Stephen Davis Long ball in behind in the 93rd minute to gain a consolation for Southampton. It's worth noting that since we last recorded a few days ago, the rumor that we threw around on the pod a couple days ago over Southampton's newest manager came to fruition. They agreed to deal with former RB Leipzig manager Ralph Hassenhuttle. Hassenhuttle? Gonna have to get used to saying that one because we're gonna be saying it a lot. I don't think he was managing them in this uh, fixture. It was er- announced earlier in the day that he would become the new manager, but I'm sure he'll be on the touchline uh, this weekend for their for whatever game they're playing this weekend. Uh, so kind of a throwaway game for, game for Southampton. No, never really in doubt for Tottenham uh, with the obviously the early goal from Kane. Neither of us got to watch this, so I'll uh, reserve judgment until a later date. So something I want to start doing real quick on the pod that we've kind of not been do- uh, doing is kind of letting people know what the standings are for our score prediction mini league that Andrew Javier and I have going on. Just to reiterate the rules, we pick our scores every game in the uh, every week in the previews. Uh, if you whoever gets the most right gets a point for the week. Uh, and if two people get an equal amount of score predictions correct, then they both get a point. Uh, right now, Javier is leading with nine points. Andrew has uh, seven, and I have just come back with those four correct picks this week to get a point and tied up with Andrew on seven points. 
So all to play for. Uh, plenty of weeks left in the season. I feel like we're all starting to get a little bit better than this. I feel like there's not many weeks where has there been. I think there's been one week where all of us didn't get a pick right, and then other than that, yeah, we had one fail week. And then uh, other than week. that, we are usually pretty good. You you routinely get like at least one right. So I started off the first few weeks with like zero predictions for the first like three weeks. Yeah, you, and you then, got the hang of it, and then I and then I got the hang of it. I just yeah. Yeah. It's not that not that hard. Yeah, I encourage any of you guys listening. If you want to throw your picks at us, uh, go for it. You could. It will probably help you guys realize how difficult this actually is. <laughs> it's uh, the fact that I got four this week. I don't know if I'll get four in one week again for the rest. That of the season. That may be the record for this year. Yeah, I, it definitely that's, is. I don't think anyone yeah, else has gotten more than four. No, no, it is the record right now. But I'm saying, you know, we'll see if anyone can break it. I don't think anyone will. That'll. That's going to be hard to hard to top. Yeah. Okay. So just keeping that in mind for the previews, we're going to jump into the previews now. Saturday at 7.30 in the morning, Bournemouth hosts Liverpool. This is, if not for the Chelsea-Man uh, City game later in the uh, later in the day on Saturday, this would probably be the most interesting uh, fixture to me. Uh, Andrew has a 3-1 win for Liverpool. I have a 2-2 draw, just as I usually do for most uh, Bournemouth games. And Javier, you have 1-1. What leads you to think Liverpool are going to drop points here? Well... Uh, Bournemouth, we got extremely lucky to get a win away at Bournemouth a couple weeks ago. And, oh, actually, no, just this weekend, yeah. And I think that Bournemouth, yeah, it was two weeks ago, actually. I think Bournemouth are they're flying high. I think Wilson has something like ten or nine or ten goals this season. And He's up there. They've been, they've been fantastic at home. So I think Liverpool have not been great lately. They've been getting wins. Um kind of by not by like the the just you know just getting by that Everton win the Burnley win they haven't looked pretty they haven't been banging in goals eventually it's going to have to catch up with them so i think this might be the game where it happens but um then again Salah and Mane are going to be rested for this you know we're rested in the midweek so I guess Salah came on but you know they didn't have to play 90 minutes Mane didn't have to play at all for Mino you know got at least 60 minutes of rest so you know, they're going to go in with their full lineup, but I think Bournemouth might surprise them. And they've had trouble with them in the past, so maybe 1-1 one, one is uh, is not enough goals in this fixture, but yeah. Hmm. It may now, be. Now I'm kind of like it reconsidering may be. it now that I'm Just thinking Liverpool, about it. Well, Liverpool's defense has been so good this season that 1-1, right. one, one, I think that's probably a little bit more feasible than the 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. You know that what? I have? I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool. So basically, the question I asked you uh, I kind of talked Null myself into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I talked myself into it. The question it. I boised to you, or posed to you, was what What makes you think right. Liverpool are going to drop points why this could one? They, why could they drop points? Okay, but. so I, I mean, I think they'll, I still think they'll drop points. Uh, I'm not confident about it, but Bournemouth away has turned into a, uh, a, a fixture up there with the likes of... I want to I mean, say Everton away. away right now. Well, no, like Ever- no, Everton like away, away. I would say, like it's like United away in difficulty. <laughs> okay, Javier, get your get your. You didn't get all of your daily United slags in during the uh, Arsenal United no, absolutely discussion. Not. There's many more coming right now. <laughs> you're scaring the United fans away, Javier. If they're already not. Hey, scared I'm away. looking at your United result right now, and you're the one who's going to be scaring them. The just in. When we talk about United here in a second, that's true. But at least I'm staying on topic and not uh, and not uh, fair enough engaging fair enough. in this shithousery when it's not time to talk about them. I have two two. I, I I'm it's very well documented. I love picking two two for Bournemouth uh, games, no matter who the opposition is, uh, especially if it's 
an opponent that I think they have a fairly decent chance at uh, getting at down, uh, down the wings. I, I'm interested to see how Bournemouth rotate for this one because they fa- played a fairly strong team against Huddersfield. Uh, Wilson, Frazier, Brooks, all of their their main attacking players did start that game and they did get the 2-1 win. But it's uh, it's hard to know how uh, playing on Tuesday against a team like Huddersfield will affect the uh, Eddie Howe's rotation policy going into the Liverpool game. Uh, yeah, it kind of sucks that they have to play at seven thirty in the morning, right? On well, twelve thirty, or I guess yeah, <laughs> noon, noon it's, on Saturday it's, yeah, in England. Noon. But uh, it just it sucks that this game is obviously. We'll see if Andrew wakes up for it. That's a, he, that's a big question. He's on here. record. He said that if unless it's Liverpool, he's probably not waking up for it. So that. Ipso facto, he's waking up, up for, for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good game, too. It, it could be a really entertaining one. And if he thinks they're going to win 3-1, then I'm sure he'll want to be Yeah, Saturday's got a pretty nice slate of games. Let's jump to Arsenal hosting Huddersfield in the first of the 10 a.m. games. Uh, Andrew has a 2-0 win for Arsenal. I have a 3-0 win for Arsenal. And uh, Javier, what do you have? Yeah, I have 3-0 as well. Are you okay with us not but, talking about this one? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't not really, I don't really have much to say about this. I don't. I don't think there's going to be too much. Uh, I mean, we're showing. Like, you, I don't think Hutters, I don't think Huddersfield are giving us a game. So, we're, we're, yeah. we're showing you a pretty decent amount of respect here by all picking a home clean sheet for Arsenal because there's been we, games we haven't had a clean sheet in a while. So yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised it's if it's one like a random Huddersfield goal. That Huddersfield have been pretty good lately. You know, so maybe I'm being should disrespectful. I, should to I them, change mine like, to three one? I'll go three one Arsenal three one. You're uh, right, look, Javier. I'm, I shouldn't. I I'm shouldn't talking trust Arsenal. Unit. Huddersfield have been pretty good, and like they've been, they've been, they haven't been pushovers in the last like five games. Their their form in the last five games has been admirable, admirable. Burnley are going to host Brighton Saturday at ten a.m. Andrew has a nil nil draw on this. I have one one. Javier, what do you have? I have two one Brighton. I think Burnley's woes continue. And I don't know what they're going to do to get out of this. I haven't seen anything to show me that. I mean, it was good that they kept like a clean sheet today for and got the first goal. But ultimately, like this was a very low strength Liverpool side. And I don't know if I mean, this is huge for them, right? Like they have to get a result here. Yeah, and Brighton have turned around their reputation of being pretty poor on the road from last season. Uh, they're coming. Uh, I think their last away game, they beat Huddersfield 2-1. I, that's a pretty good pick. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brighton continued to play well away from home this season. Uh, Cardiff are going to host Southampton in a relegation six pointer. Let's just say, in Ralph Hasenhuttle's first game in charge, Andrew yeah, has game for both. Andrew teams. has a two nil win for Cardiff, which I'd love to have him on the pod to explain that. But <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, maybe it happens. Maybe I don't happens. see that ever happening. But I, I but, think um, the new manager bump uh, comes into effect right away, and Southampton get a two-one win away from home. Uh, Javier, what do you have? I have two-two. I think Cardiff. They've just been really good at home, and Southampton are absolutely dreadful defensively. And I don't see a manager fixing you know that problem with the new manager bump. I could see them getting goals. You know, I could see the the offensive players clicking and and get them getting some goals. That's why I have two two. But I I think that Cardiff, their form is as such that they're they're going to probably score at least one or two goals here. So yeah, that's why I got two two. I think it'll be a fun one. Let's jump to the actually the West Ham Crystal Palace game and give our picks for that real quick before we talk about United. Uh, Andrew has a two nil win at home for West Ham. I have a one one draw. Javier, what do you have? I got 2-0 West Ham. I think Palace just have been offering nothing offensively for me. And West Ham have been pretty good. They uh, 
They keep. They, it seems like all of their strikers are hungry for some goals. Chicharito, Lucas Perez. You know, Arnautovic got hurt, but it doesn't seem like they're missing a beat. So, like you said uh, on the last pod, I'm buying what Felipe Anderson is is selling right now. And big Felipe I Anderson. I think they're gonna. Guy. I, th- I think they're gonna continue their form. Yeah, but Pellegrini turned it around, and we uh, we did say that earlier in their season that you know, even though they they started off terribly, that we thought they could do a lot better, and they definitely are. They're they're getting back into gear, and they're they're becoming a dangerous team, especially at home. So. Let's jump back to Old Trafford, where Manchester United will host Fulham at uh, 10 a.m. in the last of the 10 a.m. slate. Andrew has a 2-0 win for United. Javier, looks like you've got United winning 2-1 at home. And I'm going to pick the upset here and go 1-1. I was honestly tempted to pick a Fulham win. I'm a big fan of Claudio Ranieri, and I'm a big fan of just the... He's doing a great job. He's definitely been doing a great job. Just the solidity that he not only brings to you defensively, but... It seems like in a Ranieri team, uh, th- there's not too much room going forward for players to necessarily like express themselves and play free-flowing and be- beautifully, but they'll know what their exact job is uh, on the counter-attack, in build-up, in possession, and they'll be able to, I think, scrap together at least a goal from here and hold on to get a point, which I'm sure they would be absolutely ecstatic with. Uh, there's still so much... Uh, indecision with Jose Mourinho and his lineup choices. I, I can't remember the last time that Mourinho has picked the same lineup two weeks in a row in the Premier League. And whether that's due to injuries and uh, obviously form is probably a factor there because they've not exactly been getting a, a bunch of great results. Uh, it just leads me to think that the the more settled Fulham lineup that uh, Ranieri seems to be cultivating there is going to help them get a result here. Uh, what makes you think United are definitely going to win this one? I thought at least one of you and Andrew would be uh, would be with me with the draw here. Kind of surprised. I, it's just they're going to be at home, and I don't know. I, I think this is a game that they have to win. They've only won and four of their the, ten home games, Javier. Remember? Yeah, and when when you, I mean, but when you put a gun to Mourinho's head, he, he can usually get his players to perform. So this is the type of game where you know they absolutely cannot afford to drop points, and and I don't think they will. So I, I, I think it'll be testy. I think it'll be close. And I think Mitrovic probably will have something to say about it. But, um, you know, he'll, he'll have a field day with those United defenders like the Arsenal attackers did. But, yeah, I got I got 2-1 United. I mean, normally they would be keeping a clean sheet against a team like Fulham. But and th- that was last season. This year they've only kept like one or two clean sheets. They've been absolutely dreadful. So uh, I don't know about Andrew's 2-0 prediction, but... I think United, what was it? I think it was like the first like five or six home games last season. They had clean sheets. They were absolutely impenetrable at home. And Yeah, they, they had eight in their first uh, 11 games or something. Yikes. God, so, yeah, that's... they were they were really, really good defensively last year. And, and we this didn't... year, they're one of the worst teams. They still have negative one goal difference. That's, that's incredible. We're in December. We also haven't really talked much about the De Gea regression. Yeah, he's been. Uh, we, we've overall been, been pretty good. respectful towards him, kind of viewed it as more of a patch of bad form. But as far back as the World Cup, where he had a few high-profile mistakes and errors, he's not been the same player that uh, was seemed unbeatable at times last season. So It kind of looks like maybe maybe I'm looking too much into this, but it kind of looks like he might want to leave. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's possible that... You know, right now United are really pushing to get him to resign, and I think they took if an they option. Can't get him to resign, and they took huh? a they took a team option to, exte- to extend, extend one more year, year, right? I mean, but that, but that's that not his choice, really his right. option, right? So, 
I'm, I'm, it might be that he didn't want to do that and he actually wanted to leave. So it's, it's, it's something to look at there. I mean, this team might, might be crumbling apart right now. And we, you know, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, but there's definitely turmoil. You know, Alexis Sanchez hurt out for a number of weeks. That means that he's not going to be coming back and getting back into anything for, you know, till January, February. The one bright spot seems to be Martial. Keep, yeah, keep he's, feeding. He's him. got seven goals. Feed the ant. Feed Seems him. like he's the only one who's got any 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 goals in him right now. Romelu Lukaku just stinker. One goal in the last uh, you know, thirteen or fourteen games. So you know you're clawing at straws right now if you're in United. Maybe uh, try something else to do this weekend. You know who knows? We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I think they'll squeak one out. Saturday, 12.30 p.m., the big match of the weekend will take place at Stamford Bridge as Chelsea hosts Manchester City. Andrew has a 1-1 draw here, which I think is bold, to say the least. I, the Chelsea fan of this podcast. That's absurd. That's just like, I will not on, even dude. be as brave as that. I, I, Get the hell out I of here, I might have been Andrew. a bit That's braver. why he didn't come on the pod, because he's he, <laughs> he can't back up these results. Like, what, like, what is he saying this week? He's going to get zero results, right? I'm pretty sure. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> Andrew, zero results right. If Actually, if you end up getting that result uh, or getting that correct, uh, I, I would be okay with awarding you uh, a point, uh, a bonus point for predicting Andrew yeah, getting get zero games point. correct. Yeah. That'd be pretty funny. Don't hold me to that, though. I might I might go back on that. <laughs> Let's talk about the game. Actually, I, I know I'm dancing around it, but I, I don't see any way Chelsea win this one. Football is a crazy, crazy game. A red card could certainly affect it. A timely injury to an important player to Manchester City could certainly affect it. But Chelsea don't seem any more ready than when we lost at Wembley to Manchester City back in August in the Community Shield. Uh, we don't seem any more ready to uh, face this Manchester City team. We don't look we don't look that far along in our uh, pressing action that we'll be able to pose uh, any kind of threat to them uh, high up the field, getting the ball off of them. And the result of that is Manchester City's pa- uh, pacey attacking players being able to just go one on one with Marcus Alonso, David Luiz, Rudiger, uh, anyone they pick. I don't think your magic solution of switching to a 4-2-3-1 really even uh, helps that either. It's not my magic solution. I just, I absolutely despise that Ingolo Conte, the best defensive midfielder in the world, is not being played there. That's all. I hate it. I think Chelsea are going to keep getting bad results and if they keep playing him there. Sorry seems to be a stubborn man. Chelsea fans are very stubborn. So you can you can keep doing it. Keep thinking that, oh, it, it worked earlier in the season. We just need to find, uh, you know... A way for Jorginho not to get taken out of games. No, like teams are going to do that. They're going to take Jorginho out. And Golo's way less effective in that position. We all know it. He's he's not getting goals and assists. He had one goal and everyone was like, wow, Ingolo, you know, he's going to be getting a bunch of goals and assists. Okay, Let's don't maybe go that get far. him. No one was saying that after no, the first I mean, game of the season. I saw the pundits. Player People were saying this new position for Ingolo. You know, what if he adds goals? What if he adds assists to its games? It's like, no, that's not what that guy's here for. He was never doing. I don't that. want this to be okay. I know. I I know. I poked the bear. I know. By I know. This okay. Up. Well, let's let's let's. But I mean, but he's going to be a huge player if if this one one result that Andrew wants is going to happen. You would need N'Golo Conte to have the best game of the season. We, you know, we would, need, would have to be. An we would need monster. a lot of players to have their best game of the season. <laughs> we would need David right, Luiz. All of your defenders. Kepa needs to have his best game. <laughs> exactly. Like right. That's what that's what horrifies me about this game. It's like. 
Kepa's going to concede a goal to Sané, to Mahrez, to like, See, anyone Kepa, who shoots on him. I mean, I understand the criticisms of terrible. Kepa on certain goals that he's conceded, but I don't think he's the main culprit or the main one to blame for the majority of our defensive lapses. I think it's much more, it relies much more on the team as a collective, not being able to press high on a consistent basis. We lose energy, we lose interest, and for large spells of games, mostly in the early part of the second half, the whole team just goes missing and just kind of checks out for, for 10 to 20 minutes. And City are a team that even if you play well for the entire 90 minutes, they're probably going to score two or three goals. So if you check out for 20 minutes, even at home against a team like Manchester City, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a route in this one. Uh, we saw Tottenham borderline route Chelsea a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's what, that, that's what I have. I got I have 4-2 Man City, which is kind of a route. I think it's going to be like maybe they go up 3-0 or 3-1, maybe even 4-1. And then maybe Chelsea you know, get a goal back. It looks kind of close. I I just see this game being, uh, like you said, just not. I I don't see any way Chelsea get a result here. Um, if Chelsea did get a result here, then that would be very big for them. I mean, the top four race, but you know, I mean, most a red likely card. Arsenal. There's Arsenal are playing against Huddersfield. Um, you know, Tottenham. They, Tottenham have a hard fixture, so I think you know it, it could be forgiven a, a Chelsea loss here. It won't be the end of the world. Oh, definitely but, not. Um, I think you know. I think I think. And anyone who gets any type of result against Manchester City is going to have to get praised, and it's going to have to be their, you know, one of their best performances of the season. Or Manchester City are going to have to be off, like they were against Wolves that one, you know, the one fixture where they, right. you know, didn't look great. But so a miracle, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically a miracle. Yeah, that's 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 what you got to hope for. And I mean, your three one result, yeah, that's that's also very possible. But I just, uh, I don't know, City have been destroying teams, and Chelsea defensively. You know, it's not like you guys are always terrible. It's just like you have these collapses of like 20 minutes where you just allow 10 chances. And it's just like you guys just go crazy for like 20 minutes every game. I don't know. I don't know. Why do you think that happens? Like, why do you think Chelsea just, you know, self erupts every game? And it sometimes this costs you the game. Sometimes, you know, you guys just concede chances, don't concede goals. And, you know, it seems like it's now starting to catch up to you. I think when you're trying to go through such a giant identity shift from playing defensively for the latter part of the, the large part of 20 years now, almost 20 years, we've been a defensive counterattacking team going into that more proactive uh, pressing style. There's always going to be times where, and it may be down to energy. It may just be down to concentration and, and how your instincts react to certain situations during a game. You'll see a lot of times, mainly when Jorginho is on the field, Jorginho is kind of the quarterback of the team and Sarri's uh, spokesperson on the field. You'll see him screaming at players when they lose the ball and players immediately start to jog back or turn their back to get back into position defensively. When uh, that's just what their brain has is programmed to do in those situations. Meanwhile, Sarri is trying to get them to think we've lost the ball. Get it back in the next three seconds. That's usually how you uh, coach a press. You you give a time frame for how long we're going to be trying to press the ball high up the field before you start to recede back into your regular position. And it's usually three to five seconds with Sarri. Some teams do it for a little bit longer, but that seems to get a little bit riskier and opens you up to more counterattacks. They're just not well drilled at it yet. I don't know if certain players are ever going to be good enough and ever going to make 
the adjustment. And those players will need to be shipped off. I've got plenty of names on my tongue that I've mentioned in the uh, Wolves recap that I will not repeat again. But City, City, uh, when Pep first came in, they weren't the finished article. They lost a couple games, 4-0 away at Everton, 4-1. Yeah, they finished fourth in the first season. 4-1 away at Leicester, I think. They lost 3-1 at home to Chelsea that season. There, it's it's not it's not just going to be flawless after two or three months. It's going to be a big adjustment. So uh, my hope is that we just don't get embarrassed, which I hate to say because in the past we've been definitely good enough to hang with City, and it's kind of would you would you take a, a two nil City win? I mean, like, no, like I wouldn't we, uh, take it. Like if you, I know you wouldn't take it. Obviously, you don't want that. No, but, like I would want. I mean, that's I what happened to, to us the that game. first game of the season. So. That, that that could also be what happens. Two nil city. Yeah. yeah they also Four had two, they also had a good nil. amount of players uh, missing from the end of the world right, cup in that right. game. That so. wasn't their full strength team. You're right. So, and we lost two nil to them in the uh, community shield, and we didn't have N'Golo or Eden or anyone like that. So it's hard to take those results and apply them to how we think this game's going to go. But um, yeah, it's been a long time. These are these are pretty much different teams now. So city are totally ramped to another level. We got another Saturday 2.45 p.m. game uh, here in the Premier League this weekend. Always enjoy when that happens. It's also going to be a pretty good one. Leicester City will be hosting Tottenham. Andrew has a 1-0 win for Tottenham. I have a 3-1 win for Tottenham. And Javier has a slip-up from Spurs. Why why is that? You're you're believing in Leicester? uh... Yeah, it's three games in a week. Leicester seem to be back. I know they got a draw this week, but I... Thought they looked pretty good in that draw and were maybe a little bit unlucky. And I think that at home they've been they've been pretty damn good. I, I think they're unbeaten in their last six total in the Premier League. So they're doing pretty well. I, yeah, and I just I think that they're going to have a, kind of a little bit of a renewed spirit, and uh, they seem to have a little bit of momentum going for them again. And and I think that three games in a week uh, for Tottenham with a extremely important Champions League game looming. Um, oh right! I think in the at the, midweek at the new camp next week, right? I I just think that that is going to be maybe on their minds, and you know maybe a couple of the players, you know maybe Harry Kane's got to come off in the seventieth minute. I don't know. I just it's I, I I see things not going Tottenham's way for this one, and I think they've you know they'll I, I think one one is is going to be a a decent result. I think they might get lucky to, to get a one, one, I think three, one would be a, a pretty incredible result for them. That's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty high on Leicester just overall this season. Uh, but defensively, I still don't like the rotation. They're employing. I mean, McGuire is obviously a nice piece. Shilwell's doing well at left back and Pereira is a good attacking right back, but whether it's Morgan or Johnny Evans playing at the other center back or that Turkish player they signed, it's not a it's not a watertight defense, and they don't really have the amazing midfield player to really shield the deficiencies that that defense has. So, I think Tottenham will have Tottenham seem to be even when they're not like free flowing, playing super well against the rest of the teams in in the league. They can do what they did against uh, Southampton today in the three one win, and just sort of get goals off set pieces, off of like just rebounds. They're, they're fairly this clinical. Is Southampton, like Leicester, are like they're challenging for top six right now. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like. I think it's a little bit disrespectful to just think that they can three one. Just, I mean, three one looks win. disrespectful. I get what you mean. I don't think it's going to be like a like a, a destruction. I think at home to Southampton, I think it will be a, like th- a pretty like three one would be a huge result for them away at Leicester. Like, I, I think it will be I don't a know how many teams 3-1. are going to beat. Like, I don't know how many teams are going to beat Leicester away three one this season. Like, I don't think that's going to happen very often. 
I agree. Like score three goals away from home at Leicester. Maybe Manchester City. I don't know. Have they played there yet? No, they have not. I don't know if any other team's going to get three goals there. I think that's a bold, bold prediction there. We'll see. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick by it. Uh, Sunday, there's only one game. 11 a.m. Newcastle hosting Wolves. Andrew has a 2-1 win for Wolves. I have 2-1 Newcastle. And Javier, what do you have? Uh, I got 1-1. One, one. I think this is uh, probably going to be a snoozer. 1-1 one, one or nil-nil. These teams, uh, like like I've been saying, uh, you know, I think Wolves might play down to the level of their opposition, and this might be a dirty game. And you know, uh, Newcastle, but Newcastle been good at home. Solomon Rondon, I think he's got three goals in his last three games. So um, yeah, it seems like he may be finding the the net with a little bit of regularity, which will make Newcastle look like a decent team. You know, if they can get a striker who can who can score goals. The away point at Everton is pretty impressive to me. Uh, they obviously had those three wins in a row a couple weeks back, which has gotten them out of the relegation zone. I like them. I like them to beat Wolves. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not salty. I'm not salty about the result. Wolves deserve uh, deserve the win against Chelsea. I, uh, I just don't see them carrying it through to an away, uh, very difficult away uh, atmosphere up in Newcastle. Yeah, they have been kind of getting crushed by these these uh, teams that seemingly. You know that have played in the championship and have faced them. You know teams like Huddersfield, Cardiff. Uh, it seems like they're struggling against those teams more so. Uh, you know Palace, teams that you know haven't been in the Premier League that long. I guess Palace has been in Palace for a little been while, for a while but, now. But I mean, just maybe around that level. I think Palace are not much better than some of these championship teams. It just seems like teams that are in that relegation fight. It seems like they, Wolves are struggling against those teams, and that might be what ultimately. You know, maybe gets them into the relegation battle. Who knows? Monday at 3 p.m., I think it was a pretty exciting game. Everton hosting Watford at Goodison Park. Andrew has a 1-1 draw. I have 2-1 Everton. Marco Silva returning to the club that fired him last season? Well, not returning. He's at home. uh, Watford are coming up to Goodison Park. Sure. Uh, Well, just playing against his his old team, um, I think it'd be, you know, hard-pressed to... for Everton to lose here. They've been pretty great at home, and uh, I like them defensively, too. I think they've been pretty solid, so I have them getting a clean sheet. I got 2-0 Everton. I remember this game last year being high sc- I remember it being like 3-3 or something. Watford were up 3-1, and Everton came back from with two goals in the last 10 minutes to, to tie it up right at the death. So it's certainly got potential, along with the history you just mentioned of Marco Silva leaving Watford in kind of kind of a bad way. Uh, he had started really well at Watford last year, and then as soon as the Everton it's definitely rumors, a bit premature, they just like well, okay, a lot of people credit the uh, rumors that Everton were interested in bringing like him. Everton poached him, right? They, well, they were they were a lot of people are using that as not an excuse, but as like a reason for uh, Watford falling off a cliff after those rumors that it kind of. Uh, unsettled the team, unsettled the manager, had him kind of looking around for bit bigger and better things. He's now got that bigger and better thing in Everton, and uh, I think arguably a more talented squad at Everton and, and a more uh, backing from the board to go buy high-profile players there. So it it might turn out to be a pretty contentious game. Uh, a lot of red cards, maybe, or sorry, a lot of yellow cards, maybe a red card or, or maybe even two. He he made uh, he made Watford a lot of money. I mean, he bought he brought in Richarlison for I think about twenty million from Brazil, and then a year later he bought him at from you know at Everton from Watford for fifty million. So all is forgiven, right? Pretty nice chunk of change that he made them there, and I'm sure that they uh, 
you know, they're not going to forget that. that. That was pretty good for Wofford. Wofford went out and bought a few players and have, have been able to maintain the level of their squad because of that. So Something makes me think that Wofford aren't going to see it the same way. They're probably going to think, you took Richarlison from us, you bastard. <laughs> I don't think he wanted to stay there. You know, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's I, using I, Everton as a stepping stone, too. The, the way he plays and like how he acts when he scores, it, it just looks like he's just he thinks to himself. He definitely thinks of himself like, oh, I should be on Barcelona or like Manchester City. You know, he, he thinks he's that good. I don't know the, if he actually is, syndrome. but he thinks he is. Yeah, <laughs> that wraps it up for us here on the Ghost Goal podcast. Thank you for hanging with us through a very busy week. I know these uh, recap and preview pods have been a little longer than usual, but we do try to talk about as many of the games as possible. Javier, thanks for being on this one, man. Looking forward to the games this weekend. If you guys want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at ASMOS92. Andrews is at Andrew Pissarro, at Ghost Goal Pod. Javier is on Instagram as at JaviRev9. Keep an eye out for the recap pod early next week where we'll talk about all these games. And until next time, see you.